them which, excuse me, let's start over again. I'm sorry about that. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, the Word of God says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what the Bible says about all of these interesting things. The Bible speaks to every area of life and the natural and the supernatural. And as we look today at your word, we ask that the Holy Spirit of God would teach us what the Bible has to say about these spiritual beings, uh, angels, and demons, and how that applies to our lives and how it should change the way we uh, look at this world and the next. I pray you'd give me the words to say for this hour, give us all ears to hear, and may you be glorified and accomplish your work in us. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The world is fascinated by angels and demons. I've been in a lot of different houses over my life, and it's amazing to me how many houses had some type of depiction of angels. Religious people and some not religious people have uh, some type of angel uh, decoration or symbol in their home. Uh, angel jewelry, uh, all types of things. And uh, the world's fascinated by this concept of angels. The world's also fascinated by the concept of demons. Books, uh, scary books, horror movies, uh, plays, uh, have these ideas, these, these concepts of evil spirits, demon-possessed cars, and dolls, and dogs, and everything else you can imagine uh, has filled over the years. Uh, Truly, this concept of angels and demons uh, is fascinating. It has fascinated the imaginations of humans for a very long time. However, most people know very little about them. Most people don't know what the Bible says about angels. Some people even worship angels, and the Bible says that's a no-no. We ought not worship them. Some people are scared to death of demons and the supernatural evil. Uh, And if you're a believer, I have good news today, you don't have to fear those things. Most people's knowledge of angels and demons is limited to the last scary movie they saw or book they read. And there's a lot of bad information in those things. But today we ask the question, what does the Bible say? What's the Bible say about angels and demons? Are angels real? The answer is yes. Are demons real? Sadly, the answer is yes. Some people try to spiritualize the evil in the Bible. They'll say, well, Satan's not real. He's he's a spiritual characterization of uh, an evil force. No, Satan's a real character, and he's not a good guy. He is the father of evil and the source of every bad thing that's ever happened in this world. Demons are real, uh, and evil in the world is real. 
Where did angels and demons come from? We're going to show you that today from the scriptures. Who are angels and demons? What do angels do? What do demons do? Where are they right now? Interesting thoughts. I got to confess to you that there is something the Bible talks about spiritual warfare. Whenever you deal, delve into certain parts of the Bible, it doesn't make Satan very happy. And the devil can cause trouble for all of us from time to time, but at times we get more in his scope, his target, if you will. We become a bigger target. And I got to confess, this week as I was studying over this and some of the things I'm going to tell you today uh, about demons and revealing some of this stuff, I got the sense that the enemy was not very happy. And some of you are like, come on, preacher, that's not real. It's real. It's real. But the good news is we don't have to fear evil because God is greater than Satan and God is stronger than any uh, evil that exists, and we'll show you that as well. Consider our text this morning, and I've got I've, I've to dive in. I've got probably 15 sermons here this morning, and I'm only going to preach you one. Uh, so, And there's a lot of stuff we're not even going to cover. I mean, this could be months of sermons on any of these topics, and so I am, with God's help, trying to just give you the highlights and overview of these things. And because of that, uh, it might be a little bit like trying to take a drink out of a fire hose. It's coming at you way too fast than you'd prefer. But just ask, Lord, help me to remember what, what uh, you want me to remember. Help the things to jump out that I need to apply to my life and that's my prayer, knowing that I'm giving you a lot of information that you're not going to retain all of it. My prayer is that God would help something jump out to you in your specific situation that would be meaningful in your life this week and right now. And so let's dive in. Consider our text. The Bible declares unequivocally that angels are real. Look back at verse 13, Hebrews 1, verses 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time... Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, in the context here, God is comparing angels to the Lord Jesus Christ. The theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything else that's ever uh, come down the pike. He's better than angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Judaism. He's better than the Ten Commandments. He's better than the old system of sacrifices. He's better than any religion. The whole theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better. And some people throughout history have worshipped angels. And one of the things that God sets right, right away is Jesus is better than angels. Angels are powerful. They're interesting. They're fascinating. They can do amazing things. But they're not even compared to the, the Son of God because God looked at Jesus and he's going to make the enemies of Christ his footstool as the very Son of God, the the, the one who came as the suffering lamb is coming back as the roaring lion, and he's certainly going to defeat evil once and for all. But here he compares angels. He's, did, did God say to the angels, I'm going to make your enemies your footstool? No, they're not even on the same plane with, with Jesus. They're, they're not even in the, in the same category. Jesus is God. Angels are created beings. And then in verse 14, it gives us a definition of who these angels are. Are they not all ministering spirits? 
So the Bible says a couple things. First of all, angels are spirit beings. They're called spirits because they are spirit beings. They don't have a physical body like you and I have. They do have a body. It's not a physical body. Demons are also of spirits. The word demons not found in the Bible. In the Bible, they're usually called devils, with a little d in the plural. Devils, evil spirits, or unclean spirits. And so uh, both of these things are spirit beings. You've got to understand that there is a spiritual realm that lives that exists in parallel with our physical realm. God exists in that realm. Some people call it a plane, a dimension, whatever, however you want to describe it. It exists in parallel with us, but outside of us. So the truth is that they can see into our world, they can interact with in our world, but we cannot see into theirs unless God opens our eyes and has supernatural encounters. We cannot affect their world with our bodies and such as as they can with ours. However, we can affect the spiritual realm by prayer. That's why prayer works. Prayer is moving that spiritual realm. We can affect the spiritual realm with the Word of God. That's how powerful God's Word is. And so saying the Word of God, following the Word of God, praying, witnessing when a soul gets saved, we just change something not in this world, but also in the next, the, that spiritual realm. And so these God and these spiritual beings inhabit a spiritual realm. Hold your place here and look at 2 Kings chapter 6 in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures today, and I'm going to trust the Lord to give me discernment about which ones to show you and which ones to quote. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, excuse me, 2 Kings, thank you. 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a fascinating story where this idea of the spiritual realm and the physical realm living in parallel, actually uh, comes to a stark view in the Bible account of Elisha and his servant. So we pick up the story in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. You've got to understand that Elisha had been causing some trouble uh, with the king and the an enemy king and the king, and they wanted uh, an audience with him, and he wouldn't come. And so they sent an army, and Elisha and his servant are in kind of a valley, and the army is surrounding them in that valley, this physical army surrounding them uh, in the valley. Elisha's servant comes and says, Elisha, man of God, prophet, we're in trouble. We're surrounded by this army. And Elisha is totally unaffected by it because he knew what was going on in the spiritual realm that his servant and the other people couldn't see. So let's look at this. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14 Therefore he sent thither horses, a king sent horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and encompassed the city about. So they sent an army big enough to encompass a whole city, and they were going to demand that Elisha come. Verse 15, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, the host, or this physical army, compassed or circled the city, both with horses and chariots. Chariots were like the tanks of the day. So this was not just a, an army of men. This was like... A, uh, a fortified army of chariots slash what we would consider tanks, all to come and make this man uh, come. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Verse 16, And he, Elisha, answered, Fear not, for they that be with us 
are more than they that be with them. Now, wait a minute. <clears throat> the servant's looking around. And it's just, it's just the servant and Elisha. What do you mean they that be with us? There's nobody else here. What the servant said. But look at verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of what? Fire round about Elisha. So these spiritual beings, the way the, the Bible kind of describes a, a spiritual body. And by the way, when we get to heaven, we don't just float around as, as some kind of incorporeal ghosts. We will have a spiritual body living in a spiritual place. It's just as real as this place. Your body will be just as real as the body you have now. It just won't be subject under the same laws of science and physics that we are accustomed to here. That's why angels and these spiritual beings, are they can do things that you and I can't do. They're not bound to the laws of physics as we know them in our world because they are part of this spiritual realm. Uh, and he looked around and, and said, there's horses and chariots of fire. This is an angelic army that was there all the time that the servant didn't know was there because he couldn't see into the spiritual realm. Now, let me, let me uh, help some of you, and some of you are going to get really weirded out by this. There are angels around you all the time. There are spiritual beings in this room. Get a little goosebumps. There are spiritual beings. When you're home alone, you're not alone. God's everywhere, but these spiritual beings are all around us all the time, and they can see and interact with our world, but we cannot see and interact with their world unless God opens our eyes, pulls back the curtain a little bit, and lets us see. And the man of God here was not concerned because he knew that the armies of God were there to protect him and imagine the servant when God opened up his eyes and he looks around and sees this army, these chariots of fire, these beings of light with glorified bodies. And Elijah's like, or, or the, the servant of Elisha's like, this is amazing. God works all, all around us. I think in some countries God works differently than in America, because Americans don't really believe what they see, uh, sometimes to their detriment. But you can have missionaries tell you stories that will give you goosebumps and, and uh, with angels interacting and different things. I remember a story, uh, and I could tell you a bunch of these. One missionary was, was talking about they were living in a grass hut. They were in this community. They, this community had been very deadly. They had a past of cannibalism but they were just a vicious tribe. They had allowed the missionaries to come, and the missionaries had been there for a little while, but all of a sudden something changed. Uh, they could tell, the missionary would tell the story. He could tell that the people were looking at him differently, kind of the spirit of the, the uh, tribe changed toward them. They're just living in, in this grass hut out in the middle of nowhere, uh, and he knew his family was in trouble. Well, one night the, 
tribe gathered around the hut and they were singing and chanting and pounding their spears and and, uh, different things. And this was a sign that they were getting ready to attack. And that family got down and huddled into the, the middle of their little hut. And it's, a, it's a, a missionary dad, his wife, and some children. And the dad's like, we're going to die unless God steps in. And they begin to pray. And they prayed all night. I mean, just they couldn't sleep. This went on for hour after hour, the, the chanting and the beating. And he wondered, why aren't they attacking? He just kept praying and praying. Well, finally, uh, early, early in the wee hours of the morning, it stopped. And they just kind of, out of exhaustion, just kind of fell asleep. And everything got really quiet. The next morning, the chief and the rest of the tribe came. I want to say there was a few hundred people in this tribe. And they came and gathered around the tent. And they were yelling at the tent and clapping their hands. That's how they would get someone's attention. And, and the missionary came out thinking, okay, now we're going to die And the chief and the tribe were very humble. The whole spirit had changed. And the the chief said, where did you get those men? What men? Where did you get those men? Those those tall men, those tall glowing men. where, Where did they come from? Where did they go? And from the chief's own mouth and the whole spirit changed. While those people were in there praying... The, the chief said that strong, very tall, strong, powerful men surrounded their, their grass hut and they were afraid to attack. You say, that's not real. It was real to the chief. By the way, many people in that tribe ended up getting saved. We could tell you stories like that all week long. This is fascinating stuff. Now, if you saw that, you'd be thinking, oh, I ate too much pizza last night. You know, or, oh, that was that scary movie I saw. Or, you know, oh, I, need to go, I need to go get some more prescription meds because I'm seeing some stuff. But in, in a lot of countries, they take that stuff very seriously. And God does amazing works. Uh, and so these, these spiritual beings are around us all the time working and moving we just can't see them unless God opens our eyes as he did the the prophet here we learn in second peter chapter 2 verse 11 that angels are wiser and more powerful than humans he says whereas angels are greater in power and might uh, and so they can do things we cannot do they are supernatural beings Hebrews 12.22 says there are a vast amount of angels. How many angels are there? We don't really know. Hebrews 12.22 says, But ye are come into Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So there is a countless number of angels that are involved in this a spiritual realm. Notice also that the Bible says back in Hebrews chapter 1, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? So angels are God's ministers. They are his servants. They do the will of God. And one of their jobs is to help us in this life. For example, when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Eden or in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed those great drops of blood, 
The Bible says that in answer to his prayer, God sent angels to strengthen him. And I think prayer does move the hand of God. Prayer can make God uh, reposition and deploy his angels in certain things. And uh, one of the jobs of angels is to help us. We are the heirs of salvation. So angels are our friends. They are our protectors. They are God's servants sent to work on our behalf and on the behalf of God. We can look a little bit more about angels. The Bible says in Psalm 148, verse 5, that angels were created by God. It says, for He commanded and they were created. Uh, So God, the creator of everything that is, created these supernatural beings called angels. Angels are human-like beings. What's really interesting is they can appear to us in ways that are obvious that they're angels. Sometimes in the Bible, people saw angels and they're like, you're an angel. <laughs> you know, and they often fell on their face because it was such a, a dramatic and intense moment overcome with the power and, and uh, uh, glory of what they saw. But the Bible also says that sometimes angels can look like humans where you wouldn't even tell that it was an angel. Hold your place here and look at Hebrews chapter 13. Is this interesting to you? Hebrews chapter 13. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Why? Verse 1. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. They entertained angels and they weren't aware of it. Sometimes God will send people in our lives and to see how we will respond. Sometimes God might have an angel in one place or another and they look just like other people, but they cannot be found. And I got a lot of stories running through my head where uh, people would come to Christians and help them in one way or another. And then when they would go to that community or talk to the, the people in the neighborhood, there was no record of these people even being there. There was no record of someone like this. Uh, I heard a story of a missionary. He actually is a missionary to the Indians uh, out west. He became a preacher uh, and has seen a lot of people saved on reservations out west. And he was telling his story uh, that uh, he was uh, walking along the side of the road, had been in jail and all this kind of stuff, someone picked him up and gave him a ride to somewhere where God spoke to his heart and changed his life. And this man was supposed to be from a certain town. And that preacher went back to that town, a small town. That preacher went back to that town he was aware of and tried to find who this person was. And they're like, we don't have any record of this person being here. I've got a friend who started a church and these people came by one time and and they were in a, a a hard, difficult situation. And they came by and gave him some money and some real help and encouragement. And they tried to follow up and find out more about him. And it's like, these people don't exist. I mean, these things happen, folks. Uh, and sometimes we just take it for granted. But angels can appear as the, obviously angels or they can present themselves to look like humans. Here's an interesting fact. Angels do not procreate. So angels don't have baby angels. They were created by God. We also know that the number of angels never changes because angels don't die. We learn about this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30. 
And Luke chapter 20, verse 36 says, Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels, and so on. So angels were created. There are no more angels because they don't have baby angels. They're just they're created. And then they live forever. So the same number of angels exist today as existed in the very beginning. And that's fascinating. We learn that angels were created before the world. Job chapter 38, verse 6 and 7 the Bible teaches God revealed that the angels sang while God was creating everything. They were watching God do this and were cheering him on and singing to his glory. We learn in Mark chapter 8 verse 38 that angels were created holy. That all angels were created holy uh, without sin. We learn also that angels are personalities. They have intelligence. They react with emotions. They have a will. They are personalities like you and I, but created supernatural beings. As we talked about, angels are created to be God's servants. Angels are not omniscient. That means they don't know everything. Matter of fact, Matthew 24, 36 says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That's speaking about the return of Christ. The angels don't even know when Jesus is going to return. That's above their pay grade. Uh, They're not omniscient. They're not omnipresent. They're not omnipotent. They're created beings in service to God. Uh, And they, although they have a will, they are subject unto the will of God. Here's an interesting fact. Angels can appear to mankind in dreams, visions, or supernatural events. We see that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Angels appeared unto Joseph, who was betrothed unto Mary. We see in Luke chapter 1, where an angel appeared unto Mary. We see in Isaiah chapter 6, an angel appeared unto Isaiah. And so sometimes angels can appear in dreams. They can appear in visions. And sometimes they can appear just overtly, as we've seen in the Scriptures. I think about the man Cornelius... He was praying, begging God to know how to go to heaven in Acts chapter 9. Uh, And God sent an angel and said, go talk to Peter, go to this place, this address, find Peter, bring him and he will tell you the gospel. Now what's interesting is humans have privileges that angels don't have. For example, why didn't God just have the angel preach the gospel? Because God has chosen in this age for mankind to preach the gospel to other men and women, right? In the great tribulation period, we find angels much more active, Satan is more active, and supernatural evil is more active, and God uses angels in very interesting ways you find in the book of Revelation uh, and so on. But we have these special privileges. There are different categories of angels. Michael is called the archangel in Jude verse 9, Uh, We've learned in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, that Michael is the head or the chief of God's angelic armies. The archangel, arch means chief, so Michael is the chief angel. We also learn that there are chief princes among the angels. Some angels differ in authority and power. So you have this hierarchy of structure, Michael at the top, and then chief angels, and then other angels below. By the way, the demonic world works the same way, where there is a hierarchy uh, of, of uh, demons, 
arranged by authority and power. <clears throat> then we find these interesting angels called cherubim or cherubs. They are high-ranking angels that guard God's holiness. And we could say a lot about that. Then we have the seraphim. We see these in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, these are similar to cherubim, but they act as attendants to God's throne, agents of cleansing. They're the ones who praise God night and day, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And they seem to look a little bit different than the other angels. Uh, and so fascinating. The Bible just talks an awful lot about these things called angels. By the way, the Bible alludes to the fact that we do have guardian angels. Amen. Think about that. Listen to this verse, Matthew chapter 18, verse 24, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Now, that's, that's the wrong verse. <clears throat> I wrote down the wrong verse, but here's the wording. The Bible talks about the children, and it talks about their angels. Their angels. The children have angels. And this is where we get the idea. The Bible seems to allude that we can have angels assigned to us to protect us and, and help us through this life spiritually. And that's an interesting thought. Now let's uh, pivot to talk about demons. We talked a lot about angels. What about these things called demons? Where do demons come from? Well, demons, the, the first devil was the devil. We won't take time to look at Ezekiel chapter 28, but in verses 12 through 15, it talks about uh, Satan... Satan was one of the most beautiful and powerful angels among God's servants. His name was Lucifer. That was his angelic name. He was actually a cherub, so he was one of these high-ranking, specialized uh, angels. The Bible seems to intimate that not only was he beautiful, but in Isaiah chapter 14, the Bible talks about uh, that, excuse me, in, in Ezekiel chapter 28, it talks about the fact that his body was almost like a musical instrument in some ways. He was very gifted in music. He was probably the song leader in heaven of God's angelic choir. By the way, that explains why Satan has been so effective to take music, something so uh, spiritual. That's why music hits you on a different level. Music touches your body, soul, and spirit all at the same time. Music's very powerful. It can change your Mental state, it, it can literally change your body chemistry as your, as your mind and heart are reacting to it. Uh, it. It can affect what you want to do and how you feel. And that's why you go to the gym and because that's, that's workout music, right? I got I to gotta, I gotta work, I got to work. Uh, you don't go into the, the restaurant, you don't go into the gym and it's like, Ave Maria. You see guys in there like, oh, you know, bitch pressing so loud. By the way, restaurants use this too. Restaurant, notice this next time you go. In most all-you-can-eat buffets, the music is fast because they want to get you out. In expensive restaurants, the music is slow because they want you to sit down and take your time. There's a whole psychology to this that's fascinating. But that's why we believe that Satan could so effectively take music and turn it into something to drive people away from God and push them towards sin and debauchery, uh, and, and so on. And so Satan was this angelic song leader until he was lifted up with pride, thinking he would become God. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. 
Isaiah chapter 14. The two portions of Scripture that talk about Satan and his beginnings, Isaiah chapter 28, verses 12 through 15, and Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. The Bible says, How art thou, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? That was his angel name. How art thou cut down from the ground which did weaken the nations? Why? Verse 13, For thou hast said in thine heart, These are the five I wills of Lucifer that turned him into Satan. He got lifted up with pride. I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the, the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Those are things that God did. And then notice what he said, I will be like the most high. Satan said, I want to be God. And the, but the Bible says in verse 15, yet, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And so Satan was lifted up with pride in his deception. Satan's supernatural ability is deception. He's powerful in some ways, but he's very limited in others. His supernatural power is deception. Satan is so powerful that he, and so deceptive and such a good liar, he deceived one-third of God's angels to rise up in this rebellion against God. The Bible goes on to say that Satan was cast out of heaven with that one-third of now fallen angels. Lucifer became Satan or the devil. Those fallen angels that followed Lucifer became devils, evil spirits, unclean spirits. So demons are fallen angels. These are angels who were deceived to follow Satan and become devils or evil spirits. The Bible goes on to say the devil and his angels were condemned to an eternity of torment in a place called hell. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, and look at verse 41. <clears throat> then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed. These are people that never accepted Christ as their Savior. Into everlasting fire, prepared for who? The devil. the devil and his angels. These are the angels that followed Satan in the great rebellion. Uh, and imagine being so close to God, knowing all that there is to know, and Satan still convinced them to turn against God Almighty. Satan's the best liar who's ever existed. He's the father of lies. He deceived himself. He deceived these angels. And now he's trying to deceive the world and doing a pretty good job of it. But notice two things. There's the devil and his angels. These are the demons, the fallen angels. And notice that they were condemned to an eternal place called hell into everlasting fire. But wait a minute. This verse is pointing to people that don't accept Jesus as their Savior. So people alive today that follow Satan in his rebellion against God, they believe his deception, they will have to endure and, and feel the same torment that wasn't made for humanity. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. But if... if 
a man, a woman, decides to follow Satan in his rebellion against God, even though he may be deceived, that same punishment falls upon those who would follow the devil. And so, fascinating truths here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us something interesting in verse 20, but I say that which... Excuse me, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God, and I would that ye should not have fellowship with devils. Here's an interesting fact. Most false religions that had any power or got any traction, they had at the head of it a deceiving spirit, a deceiving devil. That's why when God revealed that when these people were sacrificing Uh, animals and such, to these false gods that don't exist, though that God doesn't exist, there is a devil behind that false god that's giving uh, that false religion traction and power and deception. And so they were really sacrificing unto devils. Uh, Not every false religion is empty. Some false religions do have a draw. There is something spiritual happening. But you might want to ask, just because you feel something doesn't mean it's from God. You might want to ask, is that spirit God's spirit or is it an unclean or an evil or deceiving spirit? And so we've got to be careful of that. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I feel like I've wearied you with all this information. Some of you are worn out. You need to go home and take a nap. Let me give you a couple final thoughts here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we learn that angels are beautiful beings of light, just like God is light. But demons are horrifying creatures twisted by sin, but they can change their appearance to look like angels. This is part of the deception again. It's a, it's a con game. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So if you think about it spiritually, you have in the spiritual realm, you have Satan, who's the head of the devils. You have the devils, which are the fallen angels. And then you have people in this world doing the work of the devil, Just like on God's side, you have God who's above everything. You have angels who are God's ministering spirits spiritually. You have people in this world who are doing the will of God. So remember, Satan doesn't create anything. He just copies whatever God does and perverts it. So it's almost like if you you look at what God does, and if you were looking through one of those mirrors that distort everything and twist everything, and you look at what Satan does... It looks a lot like what God's doing. It's just twisted and perverted and distorted. And here the Bible's warning that these false prophets, deceitful workers, they can transform themselves even into the apostles of Christ. And we've talked about false teachers recently. Verse 14, And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Remember, Satan doesn't want to be Satan. He wants to be God. So if you look at Satan and go, that's Satan. That's not what he wants. Satan wants you to look at him and go, that's God. That's his ultimate goal. And that's why he's so deceptive. So he can transform himself into an angel of light. 
Verse 15, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, now who are his ministers? The physical false teachers in this world and the, the evil spirits, the devils. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So demons can approach you, they can approach the world as if they are God, godly, angels, and so on. But it is a great deception. So sometimes they're these horrifying creatures. Sometimes they want to look like angels themselves. Let me show you an interesting passage in Revelation chapter 9. What do demons look like? So the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what demons look like. We know they're twisted and, and they can change their appearance and such. But in the Revelation chapter 9, we find God at one point in the tribulation is going to open up the door to hell and allow some of these twisted creatures to come out of the pit. Now, thankfully, if you're coming to Sunday school, you're learning uh, with Brother Davis that you and I, if we're born again, we won't be here during this time. Right? We'll be gone. This is God pronouncing judgment on the world that has rejected Him. There's still going to be a lot of people saved during the tribulation, but there are people that never got to hear it before the rapture. But there's also going to be a lot of people that knowing it's God... Knowing it's God versus the devil, they're going to shake their fist at God and say, we don't want you. So God's going to unleash some things. Look at Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. It's a meteor. Uh, and it was actually an angel, looked like a star fall from heaven. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, that's hell, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, that sulfur, that burning uh, sulfur, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So imagine, you could be far away and see this, this ball of light falls from heaven, it's an angel that has a key to the secret door to hell. He opens up this door to hell, and now billowing out is all this stinky, sulfuric smoke to the point to where it's blackening out the sky. You ever see the sky just get eerie and weird? Yeah. Imagine how this is just going to, the whole world is going to see this happening, and, but now things start to come out of the hole. And look what it says in verse 4. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. So the scorpions have a stinger. Uh, they can envenomate you. They, they have poison. And it was commanded to them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have the, the seal of God in their foreheads. Verse 5, and, it was, and to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. So these locust-like creatures are going to come out of this pit, but they're not going to go after the grass. They're going to go after those who are marked by God. And they're going to be tormented. And watch this. This is fascinating. God basically puts a hold on death. You're going to want to die if you're here. You're going to want to die. But for five months, people are going to be tormented by this cloud of locusts stinging and biting and hurting, but they can't die. Imagine people trying to jump off a bridge and they live. People trying to jump off a, 
a, a building and they land a bump and they bounce up and they're still alive. They're not going to be able to die. Because God's going like, to say, you can't escape me. And these are people that have fought against God and chosen the wrong side. But look at what these things look like. Verse 7, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And their heads were as it were crowns of gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had a tail like a scorpion's with stings in their tail, and their power was to hurt men five months. Now, wait a minute. These are twisted creatures. So they're kind of, and you imagine God trying to explain what they look like. We don't have a frame of reference. So it's kind of like a locust, but if a locust kind of looked like a horse. And the horse had the face of a dude. That's in the NIV. The, the, horse had the, the horse had the face of a man. And he had long hair like a woman. And it's wearing a little crown. And they had teeth and fangs like lions and the tails of a scorpion. And they're wearing armor. They have on little breastplates like they are prepared for battle. These are not insects, folks. These are twisted creatures from hell. That God's going to unleash on those who shake their fist at God after everything He's done. And by the way, up to this point, God's done an awful lot of things to get their attention. And they still shake their fist. Let me end with a couple positive things. We'll go to the house. Like angels, demons possess intelligence, emotions, and will. Remember Matthew chapter 8, the demons, when they saw Jesus, they cried, Jesus, thou son of God, they knew him. And they said, Thou come hither to torment us before the time. They were afraid of Jesus. We also learn that uh, demons serve the devil and do his bidding. They are his servants. But like Satan, they must submit to the authority of God. And we see that how easily Jesus could cast out demons. Even Satan himself has to submit to the authority of God. We see that in Job chapter 2, verse 1. Here's some scary stuff. Can demons possess people? And the answer is yes. If you are not born again, if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, demons can take up residence in that place where the Holy Spirit is supposed to be. And whenever they possess somebody, they do an awful lot of damage. They cause mental issues, they cause physical issues, disabilities, all kinds of stuff. In some foreign countries, they will actually beg demons to come on them to give them supernatural power to do certain things. For example, Haiti, uh, Brother Biz Larice, one of our missionaries, is going to be here for our Save New England conference. He's got stories that'll, that'll just make you shake your head and want to not go to sleep for a while. The national religion of Haiti is voodoo, basically devil worship. And he's seen things, and he can tell you things. Uh, one missionary is telling a story in this South American country that was well known for, for devil worship and, and false religions. They would literally chant and beg evil spirits to come upon them 
certain rituals and things. And then he's seen people like tear down a house with his bare hands. Uh, but these things always come at a price. And the, the devils are not pleasant. And these people are deceived in thinking that this is some type of power to be wanted. They always hurt and, and destroy the host. The good news is that if you're born again, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in and seals you. So a true Christian cannot be possessed of the devil. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. A Christian can be oppressed by the devil if you put yourself in bad positions where you put yourself under his authority and influence, he can make your life a living hell, so to speak, but it's from the outside, not from the inside. So Christians cannot be possessed. The other thing, the other question is, can demons possess animals? And the answer is yes. You know, the old, the old uh, movies, Cujo. And uh, what was that one with the car? You know, the car gets demon-possessed and tries to run people over and all of these things. These, these were concepts that have some root in, hit, <clears throat> in reality, although that's not real. But we find in Mark chapter 5, after the maniac of Gadara, the, by the way, someone can be possessed with more than one demon. The maniac of Gadara was, was possessed with 1,000 demons. The more demons someone has, the more of a wreck their life is, and, and also the more powerful and weird ways they can become. But say, Jesus cast out these demons out of the maniac Gadara, and we learn that demons prefer to have a host, so they ask Jesus, can we go into this herd of swine? And Jesus said, you may. And so the demons possessed the hogs, and then because all they know how to do is destroy and kill and hurt, the demons caused the hogs just to run off a cliff and die. But we also know, and here's the, the good part of that, demons can only possess animals with God's permission. So what does this mean for us? As a Christian, we respect the power of Satan and devils. We know it's real, but we do not fear them. We have no need to fear them. We belong to God. We are sealed by God. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Through the powerful name of Jesus, we have authority against these things. Not in our power, in his power. They cannot hurt us. God's protecting us, unless for some greater good God allows something that sometimes he'll do. The greater good was Christ dying on the cross for the good of all of us. Sometimes God will allow difficult things to happen to us for some greater good, but we are protected by God. Let me show you one last verse and we're done. I know I went a little bit long today, but uh, one last verse, and let me show you this. 1 John chapter 4. We don't have to be afraid of Satan and these demons as children of God. Now, if you're not a child of God, you got some stuff to be afraid of. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just 
being real with you. And if you've ever been involved in, you know, the devil's got all types of, of ways, uh, certain types of magic and, and uh, witchcraft and sorcery. And some of, that, some of that stuff is just all theater. But some of it's real. Psychics. Most of that's fake. Some of it's real, and it's not, it's not from God. It's not God-empowered. Ghosts, I wanted to do a whole sermon on ghosts, but the Lord led me elsewhere. Humans that die don't hang around your house and, and the community, but demons can impersonate people. Any type of true ghost or paranormal activity is demonic activity. And a lot we could say about that. Let me show you these last verses. First John chapter 4, and look at verses 3 and 4. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, which ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. So the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Satan, the opposite of Christ, and that spirit of Antichrist that denies Satan, it's already in the world. But look what the Bible says in verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who? The spirit of Antichrist. We've already won. Satan's a defeated foe. Demons and devils are a defeated foe. We have already won. And look what it says. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And it goes on to say in verse 6, we are of God. And so let me encourage you with this. There is a spiritual world all around us. They can see and interact with us. We can't see and interact with them uh, unless uh, given special opportunity or through the spiritual followings of, of scriptures, prayer, Bible reading, soul winning, such. Angels are real. God uses them to help us and do his work in the world. The Bible has an awful lot to say about what they do. Demons are real. And they can be terrifying. But if you're a child of God, you don't have to fear them. Because greater is he that's us, the Holy Spirit, than he that's in the world. Is that helpful? <clears throat> I went a little long today, but how do you fit in 15 weeks worth of stuff into one sermon? And uh, I pray the Lord gave you some things. Listen, if this is all brand new to you, maybe you're sitting here today and, and you're thinking, or watching online, you're thinking, this is nuts. This is crazy. I would love to have a conversation with you. And I would love to walk you through and answer any of your questions. If you're here today and you're not sure you're going to heaven, I would love to take a Bible and show you what it means to put your faith in Jesus so that you can have the confidence that you belong to God, you are on the winning side, you are safe and secure, and your home in heaven's reserved. You don't need to fear these things. A lot of people struggle with nightmares and uh, uh, compulsions anxiety, all these fears, all these phobias. I'm telling you, Christ is the answer. And He can deliver you from all of that. Depression, darkness, uh, all of it. Christ can deliver you from all of it. And I'd love to help you know how. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we have learned here today. We ask that you would help us to remember some part of the message that would apply to each one. And Lord, this is real stuff and things that we 
need to know about this spiritual world going on around us. Thank you that we know the final score. We know how it's all going to end. And I pray that if there's one here today that's not sure they're saved, that they would trust you as their Savior and get their eternal destiny settled, become your child. And Lord, I pray for all of us that as we live in this crazy world and evil is becoming more and more obvious, as we get closer to the end times, demonic activity and supernatural activity is going to become more open. I pray that we would have a biblical view of it and know how to handle it and how to encourage other people in these things. Help us now as we respond to your word. We're going to take just a moment at the end of our service, as we often do with our heads bowed and eyes closed, and we want to respond to God's word. We're going to think about what we heard, and we're going to respond to it. What does God want you to remember? Maybe you have been terrified of these things. Maybe you do struggle with fear, anxiety, all phobias, all those things. You need not if you're born again. Maybe you're not sure you're going to heaven. We'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know. Maybe just having some understanding of this 